This episode of Thinking Sideways is not brought to you by porcupines, who are also balloon artists. Instead, it's brought to you by Pitney Bowes. No matter what your small office needs or sends, Pitney Bowes SendPro C200 has you covered. The C200 lets you send mail and packages right from your desk, plus save three cents a letter and up to 39% off retail shipping rates. Start saving today and get a free 60-day trial of a Pitney Bowes C200. Visit them online at pb.com slash sideways. That's P-B, as in peanut butter. Well, I guess it wouldn't be peanut butter. It'd be more like Pitney Bowes, but you got the point. pb.com slash sideways. Terms apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Thinking Sideways, the podcast. I am Devin, joined as always by Steve and Joe, the boys. Today we're going to talk the about boys are back in town. <laughs> oh God! Uh, today we're going to talk about a mystery. Oh really? Yes, cool. it's actually a mysterious disappearance that happened on Christmas Day, 1929. Uh, the disappearance was of a postman in Ireland. Mm, this um, was, by the way, a big deal in Ireland. Still actually is a little bit of a big deal. Apparently. Apparently, yeah. I saw actually an article from 2012. They were going to like uh, go search for him yet again. Yeah, true. Yeah. Still haven't found him, though. No, they have not. This episode was actually suggested by a number of people. Kira, also Mary and Kilkenny, and David were the three names that we actually bothered to write down before we started just saying, yeah, it's on the list. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Same. Yeah. Yeah, hey, I feel like three is a good number. Listen, yeah. we're better than we were at one time when we were so overwhelmed with emails that I would go into the list mm-hmm. and I would find the date and the method of the suggestion and the story name and links and not who had suggested it because mm-hmm. somehow we forgot. Yeah, uh-huh. it's yeah, it's okay. not so much of a mess anymore, well, which is good. <laughs> I, I don't forget. I check. But, yeah. yeah. So let's start with our postman, shall we? Yeah, the missing postman of Stradbally. Stradbally. Was this the movie Stradbally. with Kevin Costner? No. No. Oh, no. that's the wrong postman. That was the postman, not the, the missing yeah. postman. I, was, ah, yeah. I literally yeah. just didn't even know what you were talking about for a minute. For so. once, I out-referenced you. Yeah. Holy yeah. crap. Well, it's that's just because it's so years. old and awful. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, our postman's name was Larry Griffin. He was born in Waterford, Ireland in 1880. He served with the British Army from 1899 to 1907, and he spent most of his first army stint in India, and then he was discharged and married a woman named Mary. Makes sense. Mary, Mary. Yep. And then when World War I started, he re-enlisted. As a lot of people did. As a lot of people did. He was honorably discharged in June of 1916, having suffered some pretty bad injuries. His Mm. arm was damaged. Whatever that, maybe a little nerve damage. It sounds like he had use of it, really. Yeah, I I suspect it was, you know. Lack of, I I think it was a loss of motion, a range of motion. I would suspect something like that. I think something blew up beside him because his arm was damaged, a part of his ear and many of his teeth from one side of his face were missing. So some Mm -hmm. kind of ordinance probably went off near him. I suspect, Although I've seen pictures of him and maybe these were taken before the war, I don't know, but he looks looks okay and no i think it was all messed up i think it was mostly yeah i think it was probably the arm that was the major reason they don't care if your ear looks ugly Uh, yeah and if your teeth are all messed up i think they do care if you can hear out of that but if your ear is messed up looking yeah but still functional they don't care but i think the 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 probably limited arms was the issue i'd say by world war one standards he got off pretty light he did he got off really light and he actually was given some awards in 1918 for his bravery so whatever happened, it was a brave act. But, uh, he took I out a he took out a German machine gun nest, mm-hmm. just with one hand. Yeah, yeah, he just threw his arm at yeah. him. Just kidding. Using rocks. Yeah. After his discharge, he got a job as a postman, moving to Kilmac Thomas. Sounds yeah. right. Uh, with his wife and three of his children, he had additional children. I actually don't know how many children total he uh, had. I had a really hard time with that. Four. As well. I, I think it was four I think it was too, four. but yeah. it. 
it's kind of just this, nobody really cares, apparently. Mm-hmm. But one of his children was working, I believe, in England. Yeah, that's what I heard, his and then eldest the, daughter. And then the other three lived with them in um, what we're now going to call Kilmac for the rest of the episode. And actually, that's That's, <laughs> that's okay. actually the abbreviation. That's what a lot that's, of people call it. Yeah, I mean, if you lived in that town, would you pronounce the entire friggin' name every no. time? No. They call it Kilmac. Yeah. Yeah. In those People days, in this town call it PDX, for God's sakes. Yeah. I just call it PED. <laughs> yeah. So in those days, in. it was apparently customary for postmen to deliver mail on Christmas Day, though often they were given great hospitality for doing their job on that day. They would have been offered meals and drinks at pretty much every house they called on. There was some discussion about whether or not it was actually postmen would call for tips but I believe it was hospitality that they received, but people like rubbish men and other things uh, that collected were, would expect tips on yeah. Christmas Day, Got which it. I think is fair. Well, some people yeah. actually, yeah. even here in America today, tip their, uh, tip their mailmen on the holidays. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's true, yeah. yeah. Or, or, give, just or give them give a them present. Cookies and stuff like that, yeah. yeah. Larry, it is reported, had at least two different dinners on Christmas night at two separate houses and a lot of drinks. So I want to point out the number of meals that this guy has had. Yeah. Because to me, it his state later on, as it's described, is a bit confusing. It depends on is... who you ask, well, actually. It... Yeah, well, some people I, said I he was that, still called sober. But for the amount that he has eaten, I it makes me always question his state of inebriation. Well, I th- I mean, I think you can get drunk even if you've had a ton of food. Uh, I suspect that he was also drinking while he was eating. It wasn't just I, sitting I, down to a meal, you know. I get that. I, my point is he wasn't on an empty stomach. No. Just knocking back shots. Totally. So that's why. Absolutely. I just want, as I always do, I just want to throw that out there so people keep that in mind. Yeah. I think that might, I maybe that the people of Strad Valley probably after this just chipped in and got the postman a bottle for Christmas. Probably, yeah. You get to send it home with him. So actually, so actually, that brings up a good point. Let's let's talk about this a little bit. We, okay. Larry lived in Kilmac, but his postman route was actually in Stradbury. His What's postal that? route? Postal route. Yeah. What did I say? Postman route. Oh. I think it was actually, and he had some stops <clears throat> in between also, but I think... But he, it was all in the Stradbally area. Yeah, and, um, and, and so his house was about six miles or ten kilometers away. It was eight miles. Uh, Strad Valley is eight miles away. Oh, it is? From Kilmac. Oh. And so they... It's a long bicycle ride. It's not so bad. Well, it's not a marathon. I mean, you can walk a, walk a mile in 20 minutes. You it know, all depends so. on whether it's like level or uphill, that kind of thing. I think downhill. it's pretty level. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't really matter that much. We, what we know about Larry and what he did on that day is Christmas morning, he got up and went to Christmas mass like most Catholics do. Then he delivered a few gifts to local families and kids that I think that his family was friends with. And then around noon, he put on his uniform, got on his standard issue bike and took off for Strad Valley. He would have uh, been expected back around 7 p.m., maybe a little later, depending on what happened. Well, depending on the nature of the evening, you know, Mm -hmm. drinking and eating and stuff like that. However, that night it started to snow. So when Mary, his aforementioned wife, saw that he just wasn't home and it was snowing and she just kind of thought, well, he probably just stayed over in Strad Valley because... It's hard to ride a bicycle in the snow. It is. And he had probably... And she knew he had probably been drinking and he probably just said, you know, it's safer for me to just stay here than to make the trek back. That's a logical thing to do. Of course, boozing Yeah, and you know, that. this is pre-cell phone, yep. so it's yeah. not as though he could have just picked up the phone and called probably her. Probably didn't have she a phone actually, in the house. Yeah, probably didn't even have a phone in the mm-hmm. house, and if it did, it was a party line and whatever. Anyway, she probably just said, whatever, he'll be home tomorrow morning after this all blows over. The next morning, however, at about 7 o'clock, I think it was, a local, a man local to Stradbally... Is that a Stradballion? I don't know, maybe. He was walking on the road between Strad Valley and Kilmac and found a postman's bike laid carefully a few feet off the road. Larry. Can I ask, what does the description, because I've I've always just seen laid carefully. That is the Mm. description. What do you think that means? I think it means not haphazardly tossed. 
and doesn't look like somebody had just whoa, fallen off of it. That they had carefully been laid over. It. Maybe they had been walking it and carefully laid it over on okay. its side because it didn't have a kickstand. Again, maybe. I didn't I ever assume... find. I never found a good description, so I was curious as to what. The heck I'm just that... making an assumption, okay. and you know the thing is, is I would assume, given that it was a postman's bike, I would have assumed that it would have a kickstand on it. I would assume so, um, yeah. But. You know, Maybe they not. clearly didn't use it for this. You know, I don't know when the kickstand was invented. I you know, I don't either. I, I, this this actually kind of makes me. I think the kickstand me... was invented pretty early on when they had those stupid bicycles with the giant front and rear wheels, ah, and the just, only way to park them was to stand them. You just had a servant run behind you so he could oh, hold the bike. Yeah, that's oh. actually. This actually... But I, this actually, I, I kind of wonder if it stopped snowing early on and the snow turned to rain. I... Or if maybe because, I mean, otherwise you'd see tracks and stuff like that. Like, say, tracks, you know, say if somebody rode the bike up or walked the bike up and then laid it down, then walked away and kept on going towards Kilimac or walked back to the I have no idea. There's no yeah. mention of any kind of tracks or anything like that. So I assume it must that have just the snow stopped kind snowing. of blew yeah. over. Yeah. Must have. Anyway, Damn, Larry, Larry was nowhere to be found and remains so to this day. Hmm? The local man is unnamed, but. He reported the bike to the police in Strad Valley, not in Kilmac. I'm not, again, I'm not, it's all local police is how it's always named. And I know that the police department that did the most of the investigation was based in Strad Valley. And I don't know if they also served Kilmac and other regions, but. The Gardai? Yeah, but yeah. we're going to call them police officers because... It's much easier. Yeah, Popo. way easier. Uh, <laughs> but so they were the first people to receive this report that the bike and Larry, it's my understanding, was kind of the only postman that served that area. So they just thought, well, it's Larry. probably Larry's yeah. bike. I don't know if it had his name on it or something like that. It's possible. It probably actually had some kind of number on Maybe. it because it's a postal issue. It's post office bike. Yeah. It's kind of like, I would imagine it's got something identifying it as a postal Maybe. bike. Well, it had his bags and like the saddle I just and meant all that stuff. somewhere on it, almost like a license plate kind oh. of. Not necessarily a license plate, but something that would Maybe. identify it. I think in those They're... days that wasn't as yeah, big they of a were deal. Re- but... They were relaxed about that stuff in <laughs> Ireland back in 1929. Yeah. yeah. But either way, it doesn't really matter. The... Well, they probably had his name like scratched into the, you know into his, into his <laughs> mailbag or something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, so the, the police decided, well, we're going to do a search. I have seen reports that there were police and postmen and a bunch of... Local farmers. Civilians, like there, yeah. like almost 100 people or more were looking for Larry that day, mm-hmm. on the day after Christmas Day, which mm-hmm. in Ireland is St. Stephen's Day. My favorite oh. day, because mm-hmm. it's my day. Uh, well, I'm a state point. on oh. that day. Yeah, or some other Steve you mean who you're was a saint? saint. Yeah. Not a state. Uh, you know what? I'm in a state on that day, which I'm makes sure me a are. saint. Yeah. Oh, kinds of hungover. But yeah, apparently between, So between uh, Strad Valley and Kilmac is mostly marshlands. With bogs. With big bogs. Nasty and little bogs if, that you can fall into. If you've listened to our, um, for instance, Tunguska episode, you mm. know those bogs can be quite deep often. Mm-hmm. They started, They people initially kind of thought that maybe in his drunken state he'd accidentally fallen in. So they started looking in that area, but they there was no trace of him at all anywhere. When they couldn't find Larry on the 26th, the investigators, the police department there, decided that maybe they should report this to their higher-ups. So they did. They called Chief Superintendent Harry O'Mara to let him know that Larry had gone missing. Uh, he was from Waterford, right? He was based out of Waterford, yeah, yeah which I guess would have been the local... Head brass office. Yeah, maybe that was the county seat or something like that. It was Waterford County, right? So his first act was to travel to Stradbally to question the police who had been investigating, and and there they were named officers Delay, Frawley, Murphy, and Sullivan. They are the main named police officers. They might have actually been the And that only... is an entire bunch of Irish names yeah. right there. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think actually they were the only police officers in that area, area. at yeah. the time. And they were all, but they were all based in right there in Strad Valley. Valley, yeah. Where, where uh, you know, our postman was last seen. Yeah. Frawley yeah. was married, and so he lived actually above the post office in Strad Valley, not in yeah, Kilmac, not, not in sorry. Kilmac, yeah. yeah. 
But the others lived in an officer's barracks, so they were allowed to, I don't know, whatever. They all denied seeing Larry leave the village. And also all of them, particularly Dulay, claimed that Larry was sober. I do love that the officers were like, no, 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 we didn't see Larry. We didn't see him, but we know he was sober. <laughs> I, know. I know. He was definitely sober. Yeah. So that's it's, cool. It's kind of funny when your worst witnesses in the case happen to be the local police. Yeah, that yeah. is actually kind of what happened here. Yeah. Other people from Strad Valley said that Larry was, quote unquote, a bit jolly, a.k.a. drunk. While he was investigating, O'Mara was also able able to establish that Larry had not made it to the houses at the end of his route, which were on the road back to Kilmac, nor was his bike on the road at 4 a.m. when a different local man was walking along the road, presumably back to his house from the town. This mm-hmm. is Christmas at 4 a.m.? Christmas. That, it's uh, well, the day, the day after, after Christmas. Okay, my so people have jobs, you know. But at 4 a.m. in an area that probably doesn't have street lighting... It's really freaking dark. Yeah, it would have been well, easier. I just could have missed the bike. Yeah, but I'm amazed that they grabbed onto this. It couldn't have been there at this time because this guy didn't notice it. Well, so mm-hmm. it, yeah, that's fair. Certainly, I'm inclined to believe that the conclusions that Omera was able to draw from mm-hmm. his investigations were by and large correct. Uh, but it's totally fair to say. We don't know the situation, you know, we, there weren't streetlights, right? But we don't know if by that point the moon had come out and it was glowing off of the snow and it was super bright and he was able to say no with, with absolute certainty the bike was, you know, we don't know. Okay. But so we, the timeline then becomes sometime between 4 a.m. and 7.30 a.m. Larry's bike made it a few miles out of town. Mm-hmm. And a if self-driving at bike. this point you aren't suspicious about something, you are far behind where O'Mara was at. Because he, he was became, suspicious. started to become very suspicious oh. pretty I'm much a lot of people. Yeah. You, know, you know who else was suspicious? The us? Lo- yeah, well, us. Yeah, but you know, the local priest, actually, he was like doing, doing all Father Brown on these guys. He was, actually. Yeah. yeah, we're about to talk about that. We'll talk about that, yeah. Actually, yeah. right now we're going to talk oh, about that. Oh, are we? That. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So O'Mara continued to investigate because he just kind of thought, you know, there was some something Skull weird going on. about? Yeah. On January 6th, a lo- local priest named Father O'Shea told O'Mara that he should question a 16-year-old boy from Stradbali named John Power. Seems that the father had likely heard a confession from John that made him think that the Stradbali police might be covering something up. Turns out, probably. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Dun, dun, dun. Amara set up an interview with young John Powers at a different police station that didn't include our named officers. Yeah, see, already he's not trusting these guys. Already, yeah. Go figure. What he told Amara was actually very different than the story that the police officers had told him about that night. He told them that he had witnessed a set of events on Christmas Day night and that there were three other people with him that night who could corroborate his story. His story was basically that he had been standing outside the window of Whelan's pub with three these three other men, who we'll talk about in a second. Oh, and by the way, oh, sorry to interrupt you, no, but go ahead. I just want to say, if you get on Google Street View and go to Strad Valley, uh, there's like a center part of town, like a, a crossroads right there. There's a little almost town squarish, kind of like a little parkish thing right there. And you'll see all these places that are referenced here. The Whelan's Pub is like right there in the it's corner. It's still operational. It's st- yeah. yeah. And then, it's still open. And then right next to it is the post office, which uh, Garda policeman Frowley mm-hmm. lived above. Yep. And then the hall is like to the right and across the street. And, mm-hmm. yeah, and the, the police barracks is next door to that. Yeah. It's the like Irish all right don't there. throw anything away. No. Yeah. Oh, no. It's all still there. It is yeah. all there. Exactly in, I, the same. Probably in pretty much the same condition. Just about. But probably yeah. a little updating. But so yeah, that's true. If any true. of this stuff confuses you, just go, go ahead check and it out. Yeah. Just go check it out. Yeah. Because I, I kind of just assumed people would look it up. I didn't spent a lot of time kind of describing where things are in relation to each other. So, so anyway, uh, the story that John Powers told was that he had been standing outside the window of Whelan's pub and with the other three men from 6 PM on Christmas day. And then they had seen Larry and officer Dulay outside the post office at 6:30, And then they walked past them and around the corner officer Dulay was pushing a bike and Larry appeared to be really drunk um, and sick. 
Well, sorry, the quote is trying to empty the contents of his stomach. Yeah, Do we, should we make the sound pleasant. effect? Nope. No, probably Let's shouldn't. Not, yeah. uh, Power yeah. said that he remained outside Whelan's for another hour and he did not see Dulé or Larry again. So, based on this testimony, the evidence, whatever it is. Superintendent O'Mara. Uh, O'Mara, of course, goes back to question Dulé again. And DeLay says at this point, basically, well, yeah, okay, fine, yes, I I was with Larry that night, uh, but he was definitely totally sober, and I didn't tell you about it because, I mean, I didn't lie about it because, no, I mean, I didn't tell you about it because I just didn't think it was important. Oh, it really wasn't, I'm sure. He literally, literally, the quote attributed to him is that he said that it was of no consequence, that he had actually seen Larry on the night that he disappeared. Just, that wasn't important. No consequence at all. Sure, of course not, right. To which anyone with a brain, of course, would say, well, clearly you are hiding something. More on this later. O'Mara continued to investigate. And, you know, the the story around this is really hazy because there's a lot of conflicting mm-hmm. accounts of things. This is my least favorite kind of story because yeah. everybody is contradicting each other and changing and their story. And themselves, yeah. 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 Pretty He's... much any time anybody was interviewed, their story changed substantially yeah. these guys uh did not get together and, and get their stories all lined clearly up. not they, but they even the yeah. locals the, the they would talk to locals and it seemed like their stories would shift we're as gonna well. talk yeah. about that in a little bit actually yeah. there's some pretty compelling testimony that they thought they could get a conviction on that later when they called that person fell through in, the floor yeah they called them into the to testify in court and they were like told a totally different story so mm. we'll talk about that in a second But this haze is kind of, we're trying to clear it away a little bit. And this is just one of many. It seems to be pretty much accepted by both the research that I did. It seems to be the most consistent story. And like, you know, reading around the internet, people pretty much agree this is kind of the most consistent stuff. But again, it's Mm -hmm. all changes a million times. So the people who lived in Strad Valley were able to solidify the story that it sounds like about after 6 p.m., a clearly drunk Larry had called, had called on, sorry, had visited Officer Frawley's flat, the one that's above the post office. Right next door to Whelan's pub. Mm -hmm. That one. Yeah. Yeah. And he had apparently showed up with Officer Dulay where they, all of them, had some more alcohol, more being an operative term here. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I suspect that's what them, they did all day on Christmas in that town. I mean, that's what I do all day, and well, I have a lot of other stuff going on. There's on Christmas, not much so. going on in that town no. otherwise, really. Yeah, and from there, the three men went outside, and the officers in their clearly sober state decided that Larry was too drunk to go home. So apparently Officer Frawley went to Whelan's to see if they could let him stay there for the night, sleep it off, whatever. But he realized that he had been followed into Whelan's by uh, Sergeant Coulane. Yeah. Apparently Coulane sounds like the actual, uh, what's the word I'm thinking about? The actual... Sergeant? Well, The guy in charge? guy in charge but he sounds like he was the more the law and order guy in the yeah, crowd there among so. the local police and so it might oh, he been... was the one that that followed was by the book well start yeah and i think that i think that delay realized oh my god he's following me into the pub i better turn around and back right out again because there's people in the pub and... yeah so th- from there apparently officer delay took larry around the corner which would have been i guess when john and his friends saw larry with delay because there was a back door into there the pub, right? There was a back right? door into the pub, yeah. and they both went into Whelan's by the back door, and then neither of them were seen to leave again. This, of course, was all news to O'Mara. Because <laughs> this version of the story had not been presented to him yeah. yet. Which, yeah, which was a problem because he had interviewed the police officers now not once but twice yep. and had not heard this story from any of them. Mm-hmm. So that was probably a problem. Yeah, these guys are not supposed to do this. Of course, this was the early days of what we call organized policing, you know. And it wasn't very organized? Well, no, and it was really. early yeah. early days for um, the Irish Republic as well. Yeah. So that might have Played really part matter. of it. Yeah. yeah, they were not quite as professional in those yeah. days. So yeah. pretty much it's accepted that Larry was at Whelan's that night drinking and that the police officers were probably a little bit involved in his disappearance, at whether least whether at least. right yeah. whether explicitly caused it or at least they had seen him 
on that night something. and clearly they were trying to cover something up because they kept saying no he was sober or we just didn't even see him yeah there are a few other th details that i want to add but i actually want to just incorporate those into theories or suspects or whatever we're going to do or hypotheses yeah whatever they whatever are. we're calling that today mm. yeah so let's get into that okay but first let's take a break is this the point where we break out the guinness yeah <laughs> What do the Holy Grail, Nefertiti's tomb, and Michael Rockefeller have in common? They're gone. But what happened? Where'd they go? If you're a fan of this podcast, you probably want to know. So join the search for the answer in Gone, a new mystery podcast that dives deep into the past to explore historic disappearances and the theories that they have spawned. If it disappeared, the hosts of Gone are looking and using in-depth research to figure out what happened. Check out episodes on The Amber Room, D.B. Cooper, and what happened to Oliver Cromwell's head right now. With a new episode coming out every Monday, you can also expect to hear about Hemingway's Lost Manuscript, Blackbeard's Treasure, and many more. Just visit Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, or, well, wherever you go to get your podcasts, and search for Gone. That's Gone, G-O-N-E. Or visit Parcast.com slash Gone to start listening now. That's Parcast, P-A-R-C-A-S-T dot com slash Gone to listen now. All right, we have our whiskey and Guinness and Aww. soda pop or whatever now. No, more Guinness and whiskey. Okay, yeah. Cool. All right, cool. Let's talk about theories or suspects or whatever because it's kind of both. It's everything. It's all, it's a whole mix. It's a mixed bag. Let's uh, just call it what uh, it is. It's everything. Okay. It's like, you know, aliens and, yeah. you know, and, and... So the first theory that we're going to talk about just really briefly, because it's kind of like nobody really thinks this happened, but fine, is that it was a personal accident caused by Larry on the road with no other human intervention or cover up whatsoever. Yeah. He was drunk. He was drunk. Yeah. Yep. He uh, delicately put his bike down, wandered into the bog and disappeared forever. You might have, yeah, when you drink a lot, sometimes you have to stop and, and answer the call of yeah. nature, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, listen, I think we've all been there where you are pretty sauced, but there suddenly are some things that you do by rote and very gently and with a little bit of grace. And so you don't just like drop the bike and clatter it on the ground and that, stumble away. You still stumble, but just you, you yeah. could presumably yeah. do that. Mm -hmm. I just would expect that if this were the case, they'd have found something. Yeah. Well, so there yeah. are a lot of problems with this, actually. One is they've never found anything. In the and, bog. And, and that's what Joe was talking about earlier. That was one of the things that they were looking for even as recently as 2012. They were excavating more bogs. Mm -hmm. uh, they and were, they still have not found anything. Yeah, there was, um, I believe, also a road in a in a nearby village in a, near the Strad Valley that was actually being repaved or worked on at the time of mm -hmm. the of the disappearance. And, and so the they, thinking was that perhaps he'd been buried underneath the road, and then he was paved over mm -hmm. essentially. And yeah, so yeah. they've act, they've looked pretty so, much even with modern technology. They still haven't found him. It is. Uh, the mystery is still alive in Ireland. Uh, you know what? Actually, I have a, a question in regards to this because Joe brought this up earlier that it was weird that there was no footprints and all of that. Yeah. I actually was just suddenly thinking about it. Do we know where specifically it snowed? Because there are times in this town where it will snow in one place and not be snowing four or five it, miles away. It might have only been snowing in Kilmac, for all it we know. It could have been. Yeah. I was wondering true. about a kind of a microclimate mm -hmm. scenario. Oh, yeah. I don't know the answer I, yeah. to that question. I have not heard any accounts of it having snowed in Strad Valley. That is true. Okay. But I just assumed that it's all kind of the same yeah, you would thing. think that they're close enough that it would be the same, but I just realized that it might you're not right. have been. Yeah, yeah what happens at my house you know, weather-wise, is totally different than what happens at a lot of other places in Portland. So mm -hmm. that's that's a good thought. Mm -hmm. One of the other problems with this theory is that you remember how I was talking about the search and how policemen and civilians and postmen yeah. had been searching. Well, so one of their own disappears. So yeah. yeah. They got to you know answer the call. So they did notice the empty mailbag, waterproof coveralls, and a cape were strapped to the bike like you would expect. Yeah. 
um, for somebody who was at the end of their route. Mm -hmm. But the way that the cape was strapped to the bike, the postman said was not the way that a seasoned postman would strap a cape to the bike because it would actually cause cracks the way it was folded up and it would lose its... It uh, must have been like rubber. I think it was like rubberized canvas or something. I think like it that. was just waxed canvas, uh, yeah, maybe. or even yeah. just canvas for all I know. But I think it was probably waxed canvas at that time. It seems like that would have been mm-hmm. a, yeah. the relatively cheap way to do something like that. Mm. But but and and I know that, that it will crack when you know if you fold something up like that, it mm-hmm. will it will start in, to crack in an area that's not meant to take that kind of right. So. The the feeling is that Larry was seasoned enough that even if he had been really drunk, it just would have been the natural way that he folded that cape would have been the correct way every time because it would have been the only way he ever folded it. And he, I'm sure, did it many times. I'm confident he did a ton of times. So yeah. that brings a lot of doubt onto this. And somebody made a note here in my script as well. Really? That the everything that they found was dry. Mm-hmm. Despite, contents, despite yeah. the fact that it had apparently been precipitating in some nature overnight. Mm, so it would lanky. lend itself to believe, seem like it wasn't just laying out all night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Or microclimate. Or or microclimate. <laughs> yeah. It could have been 70 <laughs> and sunny on Christmas Day <laughs> Actually, in Stroud Valley. Beyond micro, I mean, it's like tiny, tiny climates, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, just surrounding the bicycle itself. Yeah. yeah it was a bicycle climate. It's like yeah. the cartoons. Yeah. The cloud just follows the person. Yeah. Okay, so pretty much nobody thinks this actually happened. No. Um, so let's move on. Uh, you got another theory? I have a couple other theories, yeah. Next theory is uh, it was a murder. This is where we're going to start adding more details to that night, and then we'll kind of talk about some of the suspects and why it could have or could have not been them. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Stradbally police were hot for a lead that was not them, obviously. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. They continued to investigate as well while O'Mara was doing his investigation. And they arrested two local men, Jim Fitzgerald and Thomas Corbett. Jim was a 55-year-old local laborer, and Thomas, also a local laborer, was 25. Jim had taken Thomas, who's often referred to as Tommy as well. He had taken Tommy and his pregnant girlfriend into his home because they didn't have a place to live. Tommy's girlfriend. Yes. Not not Jim's girlfriend. Yeah, so Tommy and Tommy's girlfriend, who was pregnant, lived with Jim because Jim was a nice person. Yeah, or he was collecting rent off him. I mean, or maybe both. maybe a little, but yeah. that was something. It's it seemed like it, it was a unique circumstance that he was being Unusual. kind. Yeah. Okay. One thing to stop and mention before we go any further on this is that apparently, at the time, it was illegal for pubs to serve alcohol on Christmas Day and the day after, which is Saint Stephen's Day. Mm. And I have revoked the the ban on drinking on my day right, because I yeah. personally think that you should drink on my day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, back to your narrative, Devin. Yeah. Oh, and also the um, this this particular law was passed, by the way, only in 1927, so just a few years before this incident. So. And I, you said you did some digging into this, and there were some other days that not a lot, not a lot, but no, the the law that the 1927 law, as far as I know, and again, I didn't investigate extensively, but it banned uh, serving or selling liquor on uh, Good Friday, Christmas Day, and best of all, St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Although the St. Patrick's Day ban was over, was actually uh, repealed in 1960. Yeah. And and just like to the past year, 2017, uh, they finally got rid of the ban on, on liquor sales on Good Friday. Mm-hmm. So it's, now it's only Still Christmas Day. Still just Christmas Day. Yeah. Well, and they they would be really upset to come to this country and see what we do Day. on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> yeah, not so much about snakes, yeah. more about just drinking as much as you possibly can. Yes. In case it wasn't clear earlier, as we mentioned, Whelan's is a pub. Whelan's Pub. Yep. Still is to this day. I think the original owner's grandson is running it now. I think or, it's still yeah. a family that runs it. it. Yeah. yeah. I'm not totally clear if it was also an inn at the time or just a pub or if they just maybe had like a little extra room. Well, it's a two-story building and probably the family lived in the sec- on the second floor. Mm-hmm. But the, the question bedroom. becomes because... Yeah, so the reason that I like bring this question up even is because, as mentioned, DeLay seemed to think that 
Larry, there might be room for Larry to sleep it off mm-hmm. in Wheeland. So I don't know if they just, he just seemed to think maybe they had a little extra room in the house or if they actually did, that was a thing they offered was mm-hmm. a room or two to sleep it off in. Uh, yeah. And that actually, if you think about it from a pub's perspective, that is a great money-making oh, avenue. Sure. Uh, basically a closet with a teeny cot yeah. that's easy to clean off and you you charge the drunk a couple of, of pence mm-hmm. and push him in and say, see you in the morning, dummy. Don't come mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And if he comes out, you say, oh, you want to go back in there? It's a couple of pence more. I mean, that that is, that is just cheap. Cheap and easy. Oh yeah, or I it, would absolutely do that. Oh yeah, it's, it it's might called just, drunk tax. And it might actually just be something they provided for free. It's just good customer service, you know. What are your yeah? I think it was unlikely that somebody was going to drive home. Not not in those There was days. only one car in town. Yeah, it was the police car. I'm kidding. I actually don't know how many. Only there one, was car. one car. Okay. According to so a lot know. of the articles I read, yeah. the only car in town belonged to, and I don't remember who it was, it was but Thomas, they always said, it was the only car in town. Thomas Cashin. Yeah. Yes, that's who it was. And, oh, he, yeah. and he, by the way, lived right across the street from Wheeland's Pub. Well, it was hard to not live right across the street from Wheeland's Pub. <laughs> I know, I know. That's true, too. Yeah. <laughs> the size of it. Um, but Wheeland's, you know, like we said, still in operation today. They still have very strong feelings about this. We'll talk about it in a minute. Apparently, they don't like to hear about it. But they're also still very much just uh serve the local community and that's that so i think that's probably how it was there as well yeah I, then, oh, i'm sure you can go to wheeler's pub now as a tourist and go in and have a drink i'm sure i actually read you. there's one single yelp review of wheeland oh is there there is and it was from somebody who was from america and who was touring through and they said we saw wheeland's and it was a pub and we were driving through and we needed some place to stop so we stopped and we went in and it was clear that we were not welcome since we were not local. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But they stayed. They said that they gave it a good review. I mean, but they were yeah. like, it was clear we, did they, were, we did not fit in. Did so. they at least serve them a little liquor or I don't know. or something? I didn't. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we're a little off topic here. So Jim and Thomas, Tommy, both admitted to having been at Whelan's that night and to having seen Larry. Jim's story was that another man named Morrissey had pushed Larry over maybe a dispute over some money, hit his head on a stove, and... He pushed him hard enough to knock him over. Over. Well, and so it, apparent, he... reportedly, it was not so hard to knock Larry over that night. Okay, yeah. well, He actually felt knocked himself over a number of times. Okay. Yeah. The hall. <laughs> yeah, probably, he, yeah, if he had been sober, he would not have fallen. Yeah, yeah, but apparently, he fell over and hit his head on a stove and died. Okay. Um, and you can read the actual account from Jim of this. And it's kind of hard to follow. It's pretty conversationally wandering. A little bit, yeah. But that's, as far as I can surmise, that's what happened in his story. Tommy's story was a little different. His story was that they had gone to Wheelands but hadn't been allowed in for whatever reason. Maybe their capacity, maybe it was when the sergeant was kind of around. Because, again, they were serving liquor, and they were which supposed was illegal. To, so you had to keep it on the down low. Right. Yeah, and I'm not sure. So the way it's described, like Fitzgerald and Tommy... It sounds like they went in the back way, and they didn't actually. Uh, it sounds like Tommy did not not actually go into the main the bar area. Well, and just stood in the kitchen drinking, and I'm not sure why that was. It's all I, I mean, yeah, that's again, local custom or something. I don't know what it was. They, or they were full in the other room, or the sergeant. Yeah. There, so in the original telling of the story, when um, Omara Omara finally went and interviewed the police officers for the first time, they claimed that they had been to Whelan's... Tw- Actually, I think it was a couple times after that he interviewed them because somebody was like, we saw them going into Whelan's that night. And the police officer said, yeah, we were doing raids. Yeah. Uh, we were doing raids. Yeah. Did it twice. In Did other words, two, two raids. Barge again and checking to make sure no illicit drinking was going on. Right. right? Which was maybe not actually the reason. Um, they but were raiding the place. They were raiding the bottles alcohol. of booze. Yeah. For but that, it yeah. could have been that that was, you know, the moment that the sergeant was in and, and the Whelan said, yeah. well, we're just, you know, for whatever reason, I don't really know what, but they were in this kind of back room. And that was Jim's story. Tommy's story was that they had actually not been allowed in um, at first. So they went across to the hall, mm-hmm. which is across the way, as Joe mentioned. Uh, which was basically just another place where people drank and then they played cards. Mm-hmm. 
and Tommy had gotten into a fight with somebody there. That The story of the fight is actually corroborated by a number mm. of people. It's one of the few things that everybody seems to know for certain to, to happened agree that on. night. Yeah. yeah. And so I don't really know where the truth is in these stories. I don't even know if it's possible. It's certainly possible, I guess, that they were both sloshed. And Jim went to Whelan's and was like, Tommy's right behind me. <laughs> and Tommy, for whatever reason, was like, well, I'm going over the hall. Or they were like, Tommy, you can't come in here. So he went over, got in a fight, and came back and thought Jim was with him the whole time. I don't really know. And Jim is like, where's Tommy? He yeah. was just here yeah. all night long. How do you lose your buddy in a village that size? I think you're just drunk and you don't really, you're not paying attention. You're I don't celebrating. Know. I yeah. But like I said, pretty much everybody has changed their stories <laughs> a number of times. And that includes both Jim and Tommy. Which is so very frustrating. It's super frustrating. Because it, there's just nothing consistent yeah. so this from is, one day to the next. And this is actually where we get into this a little bit. The police arrested um, Tommy Cashane, the car owner, yeah, and Ned Morrissey, both at, right after the interview based on yeah, the testimony because... of Jim because they said that, that Tom, Thomas Cashane was also there. Yeah, and he also, I, I think as part of his testimony, he said that uh, yeah, someone said that, like maybe it was Thomas Cashian, said that um, he was going to bring his car, they put the body in there and get rid of it. So yeah, that's why. And the it, only car. Yeah, the only yeah. car in town. Yeah, because there's not really like a development on that story necessarily of, the story kind of ends with, well, Morrissey pushed him and he fell, and then everybody around was kind of like, whatever, mm -hmm. like he'll get up. And then somebody said, oh, he's dead. And then somebody else was yelling at him to get up. And yeah, I think Morrissey was. Morrissey turned him over and, he was, and, then, and then said, get up. And he and just never, never moved. Except for that right after that. This is why Jim's story, there's, it's very frustrating because they, he says, Morrissey turned him over and there was a little blood, but not much. And, you know, Morrissey said, get up. And he didn't, he never moved again, but he was mumbling about, and it was like, well, <laughs> Yeah. Wait, what, was he mumbling about something or was he dead? I don't understand well, what was part, happening. But Part of the reason for Fitzgerald's, uh, Jim Fitzgerald's confusion on the whole matter was it turns out that he told another police officer quite a long time after this, like yes. months afterwards, that actually he had not been there had not, and had not witnessed this. That he had just heard it. He said he heard it third hand from yeah. somebody who was there. So, yeah. yeah. So that's why uh, Thomas Cashane and uh, Ned Morrissey were arrested at first and the police seemed to think they could get some kind of conviction based on jim's original testimony and maybe they thought some other people who had been in the pub they named so many people mm -hmm. there yeah. were a lot of people it was like 10 wasn't were, it yeah eight, i think eight to ten yeah. but yeah there were the whelans i think the whelans i think four of the whelan family were arrested well yeah so they two so, policemen and several other exactly people. so yeah. they arrested thomas and ned and then charged them, also charged them with, like, theft of po postman property or something. Postal like that. property. Yeah. Something like that. And That's then a, a crime days, in the U.S. also. Yeah. yeah. A few days later, uh, although, okay, yes, it is, though I, there's no really evidence to suggest that they actually did steal anything. I mean, the bike and everything was returned, and maybe it was the uniform. I think it was the hat specifically they were charging them for. Maybe. But there was I, something about the mailbag, too, but I don't remember if the mailbag was, was with the bike. It was, It right? was, yeah. yeah so, it, it might have been actually just touching it. Maybe it might be that if you're not a member of the post office, you're not even allowed to handle that mailbag. I hope that's not true in America, because then I'm uh, guilty. Actually, it. it is. If you kick a mailbag in America, you can go to jail. Kick it or handle it? If you just kick it. you know, If you mm. abuse a, a mailbag okay. in any way, cool. yeah, that's actually a if federal If you stroke crime. it lovingly and and mm -hmm. pet it like a, a I was going to say, I that used to might... have to move a mailbag to clean my house. So <laughs> hopefully just yeah. picking a mailbag up was not a you, thing. You probably won't get arrested for it. Just Good. if they really but, want but to, we'll call really it to do something Okay, to thank you. Yeah. yeah, why don't you inquire on my behalf? I will. Let them know where we live now. I will. Great, cool. So yeah, okay. So a few days later after um, Thomas and Ned were arrested, the I think it was four, you're right, of the, the Wheeland. Yeah, the, the, the and it, mom and dad and two of their children. And two of their kids. Yeah. Then on February 3rd, officers Dulay and Murphy were arrested and charged, though I'm not totally sure how Murphy was the one that got wrapped up in that because it sounded like it was Frawley that was the one that was actually <laughs> wrapped up in actually it. Actually but... hang, hanging out with Larry. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then on March 7th, 
they were all let go after some kind of trivial trial time. Well, they weren't let go per se. They were all reassigned to other other areas around the country or other precincts, I thought. No, I no, 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 no. I'm sorry. No. All of the people that I just listed that had been arrested oh, and charged, I'm sorry. they tried them all together yeah. I'm sorry. I in thought... one single trial. And the judge was like, Okay, you got to give me more than this, O'Mara. Like, yeah. you can't just give me one guy who has somehow changed his story sitting on the stand. Well, and the crazy <laughs> thing about the trial was that they kept moving things out by, oh, no, no week, we need yeah. another week or two to get this. And, oh, we need another week or two for that. And then it became, what, six or eight about, weeks? No, about four. But, well, yeah, well, originally it was supposed to be kind of a quick thing. And then Jim Fitzgerald comes in to testify. That's, goes when, sideways on that's when he changed his story, mm-hmm. which actually turned out the story was sort of BS because he claimed to have been there when he never was, probably. And he says, "Well, I didn't really see him see that stuff." So, in a, in a sense, he was he was almost telling the truth, although it looked like he lied on the stand. But I guess he was sort of telling the truth. He said, "Well, actually, I didn't actually see that." Yeah. Although he didn't explain that. Well, you know, I heard it from somebody else. He didn't say that. Right. So that's when they get the first continuance for a week, so the prosecution can firm up its case because that was literally all they were going yeah on. they didn't have much else to do well i think they had a little bit of, of, of evidence they took like the stove out of wheeler's pub yeah and they actually took uh, they did use some Tom forens- car they did and- they did some forensic testing at the time yeah. i remember and they actually i think they did forensic testing on like all of Wheelands, including the upstairs yeah and the only human blood they found was in the trash and was connected to one of the daughter's menstrual cycle Mm. Is the only tra- the only trace of human blood case right they there. found. Mm. Um, oh man! Yeah, I mean they even they swabbed the stove extensively. Yeah, and there was no sign. It wasn't clean. Yeah, but there was no human blood anywhere. You know, so uh, they just didn't have evidence. There was no evidence. Basically. There wasn't. There wasn't. So much they of just anything, they were yeah. all let go. So I guess we can kind of briefly talk about some of the people who were brought in and charged and. Okay. And kind of discuss them. I would say the first we should talk about is um, Thomas Cushion and um, Ned Morrissey. Yeah. As far as I know, Jim is the only person who's come forward with that story. And it sounds like there were a ton of people in there mm. in Wheelands at the time. Even by Jim's own account, there were a lot of people in that same room yeah. who reportedly even spoke to or reacted to the incident where Larry fell down. I just find it very hard to believe that he's the only one even though maybe he did, wasn't actually there, what? that he would be the only one who would speak up about that. What about Jim Jim Fitzgerald? You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I if they so. had if that actually happened. Well, um, you know, you don't. I agree. think that at a certain point, when you enter in a cons- into a conspiracy, you're breaking the law, and at a certain point, you're kind of you know in for a penny, in for a pound. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I think that these these people really. Uh, and obviously the motive here, it would have just been reported as an accident. You call the doctor, call the cops, but they were drinking illegally in the pub yeah. on Christmas Day. And several of those people had a lot to lose. I mean, number one, the, the Whelans would lose their license and their livelihood, mm-hmm. and the policemen would lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. And then Tom Tom Cashin was uh, a school principal. He would have lost his job. Yeah. And so everybody yeah. had a motive. But at the same time, it's like, dudes... You know, there's so many better ways to approach this whole thing. Literally, the Cashins could have said, all of you get the hell out of here. Wheelins. Or Wheelins. Yeah. And we're going to say, Larry wandered in and we tried to put him to bed. And he drunk, Larry started stumbling around and fell. Like, bringing that many co-conspirators in, especially when you're all drinking, is a terrible idea. It was dumb. I mean, everything they did did to handle this thing, like like they, for example... If this is what happened. If they took the bike, which is what appears, apparently somebody planted the bike on the road back to Kilmack, they should have wheeled it further down the road before they dropped it. They only took mm-hmm. it about a quarter of the way to Kilmack and then left it by the side of the road. Well, they it did... should have been closer to Kilmack than to Strad Valley. So the one little thing here that I didn't really mention is there uh-huh. it's the one road that goes from Strad Valley to Kilmack, but there's one little intersection on that road that yeah. intersects with five other roads and pretty much like right there is where they found the bike. Mm. So I can understand why somebody might be like, I'm going to the junction and that's as far as I'm going. Yeah. And here's the bike and it could be anywhere. Especially if they were drinking. Yeah, especially. Yeah. And it was cold. Maybe it was snow. 
wing. It was early in the morning. They're starting to have the hangover come on. But I think that whoever did leave the bike there, you know, probably later on had regrets about not maybe wheeling it a couple of miles I, further down the road. Or just tossing it in the bog. Yeah, that would have been a good way to go, <laughs> you know? too. Yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah, we can talk about the Whelans. We can talk about all the officers. But I guess we can just hop right to my last and favorite theory, which mm-hmm. is that it was an accident and then a cover-up. I actually heard a story that I guess, you know, somebody probably in the village had said that actually what happened is that the police officers had taken Larry up to their barracks to sleep it off mm-hmm. that night. Which is, by the way, also across the street from Wheeler's uh, Pub. Right across the street. Yeah. And that what had happened is the stairs at the time coming down from the barracks didn't actually have a railing on it. And that he was drunk, had woken up drunk up there, walked down the stairs, fallen off and died. And that they decided to cover that up for some reason. I don't necessarily believe that so much as some other accident. But regardless, I, I do think that Larry probably got drunk. And some kind of accident happened to him. But then there was this massive conspiracy of pretty much everybody who lived in the village. Oh, yeah. Everybody to knew, I'm sure. cover it up. Uh, there was actually a lot of talk about... He, the, there were a lot of mines in the area. Copper mineral mines. Mine shafts. Yeah. yeah, copper mines. And um, it's, it's pretty much believed that he was dropped down a mine shaft and then covered up. Yeah, I, yeah actually... Um... Uh, as part of the search effort, I mean, they searched a bunch of those mines. They also dug up, there was a local beach. They dug up mm-hmm. the entire beach. Mm-hmm. They also dug up uh, a bunch of graves in the local church graveyard. Yeah, yeah they've yeah. done a lot of stuff, but I, you know, it's certainly, if you know the area well, it's certainly possible that they could have. I still, I just still struggle with the sheer number of people involved. You think somebody would have cracked. Well, and, well, my pr- well, my problem is that these people all seem to have a similar story, and then they diverged, and then they began to turn on each other, and f- there was this what appeared to be some really vicious fighting going on between them, mm-hmm. and I, if that were the case, if they were all really involved, I could just see somebody being so fed up and just saying, F it. You were there. You did this. You did that. Like, just spilling the whole caper. So sure. my guess so, I, is is really that, you know, everybody had been drinking all day and everybody was pretty sauced. And at some point, it was a smaller group, right? At some point, everybody's kind of like, well, then I lost track of him, right? Oh, or, so you're well, saying it's I, like the, the, the Whelans and maybe one of the cops? Yeah, or... I, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm just or maybe, making Or maybe group. two of the cops or something, but that that what happened was, you know, maybe he did fall... Let's say that Jim was telling the truth and that he did fall down in Whelan's pub and hit his head on the stove and that's how he died. At some point, somebody says, well, we know up to that point and we were all doing something really illegal and so to admit that we were there makes us culpable for that illegal thing so we just got out of the room. Mm-hmm. We left... And then that's it. And then that explains all this infighting of nobody actually knows what happened. I mean, you know, maybe two or three people. Because they didn't actually witness the very end except for Right, maybe two or three people actually know, but the whole group as a whole doesn't really know what happened next. And so that explains this like, well, I think it was this person doing this thing, but really what the truth is is that maybe you were so blackout drunk or just like so sloshed that you all you Mm -hmm. could pay attention to was getting yourself out of that situation that you realized was bad and you weren't paying attention to anything else and that's it i I can get behind that because that again as we've discussed before it minimizes the pool of people who were involved and the people who are on the outside know a little bit but not enough to actually but, say the right thing to give it away. Still, here's the problem I have with these people is they should have discussed this and gotten their stories straight. I mean, my God, people, should Criminal have. Conspiracy 101, you boneheads. Should have. Yeah. Come on, yeah. come on, Joe. How many times have we been drinking together in years past and we'd all had too much to drink and something happened and there's and, a body and we got to get rid of the well, body but, and know, then everybody's yeah. story's different yeah. but yeah because everybody remembers the next day he's like hey do you remember what so-and-so did oh yeah he did this right no no no, no. no. he did that yeah. i'm and, not i'm not saying you, you get together that night when you're all hammered and, and hammer out your story then no pun intended i'm not i'm saying next day when you're all sober but i'm a, that's but when I you, that's think, when you straighten I it think all that out was, 
I think that would be the difficulty, though, is that if there's suddenly this giant search the next morning right away, it looks really suspicious that you all come together and have that conversation. And if you do it in pairs or, or small groups, it would become a game of telephone. Well, so yeah. the people yeah. in the front had one version, the people in the back had another. The trick, right, is that it sounds like the police officers did have their story, story straight at first, right? Yeah. Their story was, we didn't see him, but he was sober. We didn't do it. Right? We didn't see him. We don't know what happened, but he was sober. That's the and other thing. And then suddenly somebody else said, no, he was with them. And they were like, oh, dang, he forgot to but tell the wheelie. This is, this is, they forgot to tell a lot of people. This is the problem is that when you tell, when you tell lies that are going to be very easily and quickly unmasked. You know, yeah, and, it was dumb. Oh, it was bad. Know, it, was, it was incredible. But we're not dumb. saying that these people were like particularly intelligent. And yeah. the, I guess the last reason that I think that this was like a big conspiracy is that to this day, any kind of inquiries about this with the locals in Strad Valley is met with like extreme hostility. Yeah, that there's might an F bomb in there. Yeah, how yeah. about you just mm, the write off? <laughs> yeah, right. Like that. That I, you know, this far, almost you know, that ninety years later, you could go into that town and say, "Hey, do you know anything about this disappearance?" And for people to just swear at you and tell you to get out I, of town. You know, I, I think they're going about it all wrong. I mean, I would have a little museum to the whole thing myself. I would open it up and I would, I, I would, would, have, too, I would unless, sell postcards and keychains and you know, unless maybe my play, grandpa. You know, was yeah. responsible well, like for they're it. gonna like they're gonna put grandpa in jail anymore at this point though that's the thing is joe's got a point this long gone who gives a crap yeah, yeah. nobody's but, gonna but go to again, jail locals communities that are tight-knit like that and don't like outsiders they don't care about the possibility of making money off the loons that are coming by. Yeah. They just don't want the loons to come by. Exactly. Yeah, but I'm just thinking about the fun prospects. Like if you make the museum and then you've got all these exhibits and they're sort of in chronological order of the mystery. And yet as you go from stage one to two to three to four to five to six, they all contradict each other. You know, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't that be perfect? So for I know story? what you're going to do with all of your thinking sideways money is yeah. you're going to buy a place in Strad Valley yeah. and open up and said I'll, museum. And then I will be I will be the missing podcaster of Strad Valley. You will. Yeah. You will be, be found yeah. tarred and feathered in a bog yeah, down a mine shaft. Probably. Yeah, in a bog in a mine shaft. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Do you guys have any other theories? That's all I got. No. Yeah. No. I'm, I mean, really, I think. Uh, is just really sad. I well, wish that we knew what happened to him. It doesn't really sound like it was anyone's fault necessarily. Well, Ned Morrissey, I think, is was the culprit, but I don't think he intended to hurt him. Actually, I mean, yeah, you know, my impression is that to. he kind of just, you know, like on the shoulder, like, "Hey, bud, like, it why don't you back been... off?" And Larry was just so drunk that he was just like, "Whoa,", whoa. lost his balance and tumbled into the stove. Right and yeah, the, probably, yeah. yeah, probably nobody's real fault. And it's, if it hadn't been for this silly non-drink, no, no selling liquor on Christmas law, everything would have been fine. Everything would have been okay. Yeah, and abolish that law. Silly Puritan law. Yeah, guys. Well, I'm sure it's coming one of these days. Yeah, uh, two out of three are already down. So Christmas is next. It won't be too much longer, probably. Yeah. So uh, there you go. That's our story. If you want to see any of the links to some of our research uh, or listen to this episode or find a list of all yeah, of our other episodes. if you want to listen to this episodes, episode, here's where to find it. Um, or find links to merch or, I don't know, other stuff that's fun, I guess. I don't know. Uh, you can check out our website. Website is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. If you would like to have your name read off at the beginning of an episode like this, a.k.a. suggest one, or send us, you know, talk to me about how horrible my Irish pronunciation is, anything mm. like that, you can email us. Our email address is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. You can connect with us on social media. They should, they should write that email in Gaelic, though. Yeah, they huh. should. Yeah, actually, would you? Yeah, um, please do. I don't really know how it yeah. would be said. What subtitles? Yeah. Um, if you would like to connect with us on social media, you can do that in pretty much any kind of form. We have a Twitter where we are thinking sideways. We have an Instagram where we're thinking sideways podcast, and we have a Facebook page and group, both of which we are just thinking sideways. Is that true? Thinking the, Sideways Podcast? Thinking Sideways. Doesn't on, matter. On Facebook? Yeah. Just yeah. find us. You'll it's find Thinking us. Thinking Sideways Podcast. Easy. And if you find yeah. the page, it'll link you to the group. And if you find the page, you can like it. And if you join the group, you have to answer some questions. So don't forget to do that. Yeah. Easy questions. But we also have a subreddit. It's Thinking oh, yeah. Sideways. Sometimes I forget about that. 
You probably know how you're listening to us. Uh, if it's not Stitcher Premium, you're doing it wrong. Absolutely. But if it... <laughs> Loser. Uh, you should get on Stitcher Premium, but yeah. it might also be iTunes or, I don't know, Google Play or uh, Spotify now, apparently, too. But if you are listening to a place where you can give us a rating and a review, please do that. It's um, how other people find us. And, um, you know, make it a good one because we like you, I guess, or whatever. Oh, and if you really do want to get Stitcher Premium and be a cool kid like us, you can go to stitcher.com slash thinking sideways. And if you would like to sign up for it, you can use the promo code sideways for one month free on your annual plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you get bonus content and ad-free content. And ad-free content is early. It's like four days early. So it's totally worth it. All of that having been said, I think we are going to get lost. I'm going to get a Guinness. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Bye, guys.